do chapter 41 from the guru charitra sayam devs unflinching devotion in this chapter describes sayam devs coming to gurunath and the test of faith that we have put to by gurunath gurunath relates the story of twasta who set out to determination to fill fulfill the impossible demands of his guru and the latest family member this chapter is an allegorical dis- description of self realization sayam dev is the sadhaka the aspirant the dark night with heavy downpour symbolizes the dark night of the soul fire represents knowledge and wisdom as sayam dev returned to near the sangam we he heard the chant of the vedas that is the anahata nada the omkar dhvani which is always reverberating as one's own heart as well as in the entire universe there he had the glimpse of the sadguru in full splendor on the moonlight of the moonlight clouds of ignorance cleared off the fire of knowledge was lit and sayam dev had the clear vision of the sadguru that was sakshatkara that is sakshatkar the state of realization namdharak said to siddhamuni that listening to guru charitra was like drinking nectar he said his mind was getting rid of all the doubts and the dross and was being filled with the new light he said he said he felt so blessed indeed he told siddha yogi that he felt very much interested to know the details about his ancestor sayamdev who was a devotee and a close disciple of gurunath and who used to earlier live at vasar brahmeshwar but later at gangapur itself sayamdev used to be very dear to gurunath and he was very happy that he was born in the line of such a blessed devotee of the lord then siddha muni narrated as under Sayamdev came to know that Gurunath was now residing at Gangapur. It was Gurunath that saved him from the claws of death, from being killed by the Muslim chief 16 years ago. He was eager to have Gurunath's darshan again and spend the rest of his life in the service at his feet. He trekked to Gangapur. He felt prostrate at Gurunath's feet and prayed that he should not forsake him. He poured out his prayers to Gurunath. He said, "Your lotus feet is the confluence of the holy waters of all the sacred rivers." and all the holy places all the nectars of the heaven is in your kamandalu only your charan teeth drives away death and just a little sprinkling of it is enough to resurrect the dead it is too presumptuous on my part to try to put into articulation your inexpressible and infinite glory tears of joy welling down welling out from the depths of the heart were trickling down from the eyes drenching the feet of gurunath Gurunath was pleased and clasping Sayamdev closely told him that his grace would be forever on him and his family. He asked him to go to the Sangam and bathe there which would wash away all his past sins. He asked him to come back to the mat after the bath for food. After Sayamdev had his food Gurunath inquired of him with great solicitude all the details of his family and their welfare. Sayamdev told him that he would now come away permanently to live at Gangapur for serving his master. Shri Gurunath said that it was not easy for anyone to do service to him properly and satisfactorily. It would be too arduous for anyone. But Sayamdev stayed on there trying to serve the master. Gurunath wanted to test him. One day Gurunath took Sayamdev along with him to the Sangam. Gurunath sat down under the ashwatthama tree and went on conversing with him till late after dusk then suddenly stormy wind started blowing 
accompanied by thunder and lightning. There was a very heavy downpour of rain. Sayamdev was shivering, unable to bear the cold. Nevertheless, he was trying to put up a bold face. Sri Guruna told him that he himself was also feeling the cold too much and therefore Sayamdev should go to Gangapur and bring some fire from there. He told him that he should not look sideways at all, either while going or while returning. Sayamdev put, put his own shawl over Gurunath's shoulder to cover him and to keep the body warm and then left in the direction of Gangapur. It was pit dark then and nothing was visible except when there was a flash of lightning. With great struggle, Sayamdev was able to reach Gangapur. He put some fire that is burning coals in a pot and started on his return journey towards the Sangam. Unable to find the way and forgetting Gurunath's instructions, he looked sideways. Oh, there were two huge five-headed serpents, one on either side, following him. He got very much frightened and almost lost his way. Struggling much and praying to Gurunath, he at last managed to reach the Sangam. Lo, what does he find there? There are thousands of lights shining brightly all around. There is the Omkarnath resounding and the chanting of Vedic mantras everberating everywhere. Gurunath is seated under the Ashwatta tree, shining with the splendor of thousands of moons and looking like Lord Shiva himself. It was a divine vision. Sayamdev, dazed by the vision, fell prostrate at Gurunath's feet. Gurunath then ended the vision and lifted Sayamdev, smiled at him and comforted him. He told him that he was very much pleased with his devotion and added that if he, it was he who himself who sent two serpents along with him for his protection. He further said that he should never forget the Guru Bhakti is the supreme protection in one's life and its power is incomparable. Sayamdev requested Gurunath to tell him about Guru Bhakti Mahima. Gurunath said that he would narrate what Lord Shiva told Parvati about Guru Bhakti Mahima. In the line of Brahma, there is one boy born who was named Tvasta. There the boy attained Upanayana age. The Upanayana ceremony was performed by the father and the boy was sent to Gurukul. The boy was serving the Guru very dutifully. One day there was a big storm and the Guru's cottage collapsed and its roof was blown off. The Guru called Tvasta and told him, You must build me a good strong house. It should look beautiful and should have all comforts. The Guru's wife then came and told Tvasta, You should get me a good dress. It should not be woven of thread. It should look very beautiful and fit me well. Then the Guru's son came and told Tvasta, You should get me a pair of shoes just of the correct size for me. Those shoes should be such that mud will never stick to them and they will never get soiled. And further, I should be able to walk with them, even on water. And they should be able to take me instantly to wherever I just think of going. Then the Guru's daughter came and said, You should get me ornaments for my ears and an ivory toy house made from the single tusk of an elephant. You should also get me utensils for cooking. They should be such that they will not turn black with soot when food is cooked in them. Tvasta was at a loss to know as to how he would be able to procure all this and fulfill the demands. But he felt confident and certain that his Guru's grace alone will help him to fulfill the demands of the Guru and his family. Tvasta, <coughs> praying to his Guru only, started walking towards the nearby forest. He sat down, praying to his Guru that he should help him to fulfill all the demands 
and get through the ordeal. As he was praying thus, all of a sudden, an avdhut appeared before him. The boy was overjoyed at seeing him. The avdhut inquired of him as to what was worrying him. The boy told him the impossible task set to him by his guru and his guru's family member and that he was at a loss to know how he would be able to discharge them all satisfactorily. Daudud then said, Dear child, do not despair about this. You will surely succeed. There is nothing impossible for those who win Lord Vishweshwara's grace. It is through Vishweshwara's grace only that Brahma could earn the capacity to create the world. It is through Vishweshwara's grace again that Vishnu could gain the capacity to sustain the creation and to grant the prayers of the devotees. Therefore, for success in fulfilling the demands of your Guru, you go to Kashi, serve Lord Vishweshwara there and earn his grace. He will certainly bless you. You will make even your, even Vishwakarma will enable you to earn an eternal name and fame. Daudud continued. Therefore, I advise you to visit Kashi. You should undertake this Panchakrosh Yatra in and around Kashi, visiting all the holy shrines and the Tirthas therein. The Panchakrosh Yatra will earn for one such merit as one gets through the performance of the Ashwamegh Yagya. Even the thousand tongue Adishesh cannot describe adequately the merit that accrues by pilgrimage to Kashi. Tvasta said, O Mahatma, where is Kashi? How far is it? I am a lad. How can I reach there? Then the Avduta said, I will also come along with you to Kashi. Thereby I too will get the merit of Lord Vishweshwara's darshan. Saying thus, the Avdut took the boy to the holy Kashi in a trice to the powers of the Siddhi. Tvasta was overjoyed. He said, O Mahatma, you are indeed Lord Vishweshwara. You have come to save me. Please let me know in detail what places are to be visited and what rites are to be done and explain to me the whole Kashi Yatra Vidhan fully. Thus ends the 41st chapter of Sri Guru Charitra describing Kashi Khanda Yatra. Glory to the all-merciful, the omnipresent and the ever-responsive Guru Nath. In the first part of the chapter it was explained how the person reaches the state of enlightenment. Enlightenment is not something that anybody and everybody can get. It, this kind of a divine vision which is mentioned in this particular book, it's extremely difficult to achieve. The thing that was mentioned to him was not to look at the sides, is because it is important to follow the instructions to the T. That means if you move away even slightly from the instructions that which have been given to the person, you should, you will fail and there could be a very grave danger because the protection is there. Guru's protection is always around you. But if you follow, do not follow the instruction, there is a very grave danger that you may fall down and things will not go in the right direction. Now during Sayam Dev's travel towards the village and getting that flame from there, what we call as Vistav. Vistav means a small, uh, you know, pot full of uh, nikha, that, uh, you know, coals, burning coals. When you are getting from there, what it actually means, and when he comes over there to the same place, which is that, uh, that Sangam, he finds that the whole place is lit up. See, you may say that why was the Guru sending him all the way to the town and bringing him back, where in, in a trice he could do like this and the whole place gets lit up. 
No, these instructions are given with a specific intent. The intent is whether to whether you are in a position, you know, whether you have surrendered to the will. If you see at the end, it is mentioned also that I have surrendered at the feet of the guru. Now, this is a very very important thing. The guru is actually capable of lot many things which you cannot imagine. So what happens is, uh, can you send the invite to Santil? So you can imagine at that particular point in time. will come, he will come. You just send it and that's it. He will come. Alright. So, he said, if you recollect the line, he said, your lotus feet is the confluence of the holy waters of all the sacred rivers. Okay. It says, it is in the... uh, ah. So, he says over here, your lotus feet is the confluence of the holy river waters of all the sacred rivers and all the holy places. All the nectars of the kamandalu of the heaven is in your kamandalu only and your charantirtha drives away the death and just a sprinkling of it is enough to resurrect the dead. So what exactly is mentioned over here is to tell you that this is exactly what I was saying. Everything that you need is at the feet of the Guru. So, that is what was mentioned. So, he asks him, can you please describe me the story of the Guru Bhakti Mahima? And this is a story of Tvasta which was told by Shivji to his wife Parvati. Now, those who know the, uh, you know, the, the thing that you say for the Guru, you know, the entire is is actually the highest form of Guru is Shivji himself. Alright? And the entire text has been written by Shivji himself. So that is the reason why they say that you should go to Kashi. So now let us say what happens in Kashi. This is now chapter 42. Lord Vishwanath's grace on Twasta. This chapter describes Tvastha's Kashi Yatra and how he earned Lord Vishweshwara's grace and was able to fulfill all the impossible demands of his Guru and his family members. This chapter teaches us there is nothing which cannot be achieved through faith. Everything can be achieved only through faith alone. Siddha Muni continues the narrative as under. The Avdut instructs the young celibate about the Kashi Yatra Vidhi that is Grihi Yatra, Dakshina Manasa Yatra, Uttar Manasa Yatra and finally the Panchakrosha Yatra. Early in the morning after taking the bath in the Ganga, one should first offer worship at Dundi Raja and then offer his worship to Lord Vishweshwara. Ganga Snan confers the same merit which Dhyana did in the Krita Yuga. Tapas or penance in the Treta Yuga, Yagnya in the Dwapar Yuga. In the Kali Yuga, Ganga Snan is the most meritorious rite and endows one with the Moksha Samarajya. That is sovereignty and freedom of the spirit. As soon as one raises from the bed, rises from the bed, he should just think of the Ganga river three times, he will be purified of all the sins. There is no other easier saving path in the Kali Yuga than a bath in the holy Ganga. 
Kashi is called Avimukta Kshetra, that is Ananda Kanana or Mahasmanana uh, Rudragraha, that is etc. Every bit, every inch of its most holy of five kroshas around Kashi. Within the sacred presence of the five krosh area, there are many krosh, basically coasts, you know, uh, it would be somewhere, five krosh would be approximately about a few kilometers in. There are many sacred lingas, tirthas, etc. Therefore, whoever does the Panchakrosh Yatra will have had the darshan and will have done the pradakshinas of so many holy lingas and sacred centers and the merit which he endows is limited, limitless indeed. This is the same thing which we say in the Govardhan Yatra. The entire Govardhan hill, if you go right round it, that is there. Or if you are in South India, you will find that there is Arunachala. So you do one entire pradakshana around Arunachala. That is also mentioned. Or if you are in um, uh, Brindavan, you do the Brindavan, all the Tirtha Yatras over there. So you go right round Brindavan, you see the river Yamuna and come right round to the same place where you started. So this is basically the, the entire, that's a krosha, basically a, uh, an entire journey from one end to the other and right round it. So we cover literally the all the holy Kshetras that are there. Lord Vishweshwara had conferred special merit on Manikarnika. Manikarnika is a, is a place where that bodies are burnt. It is mentioned that when the bodies are burnt over there, Shivji comes and takes the souls from that individual straight to his Kailash. Okay, that is what is mentioned over there. That is the reason why most of the Hindus, they prefer going and dying in Kashi. It is mentioned that you get the heavens very fast. Alright. You get immediately. So, that is Manikarnika Ghat. It is as meritorious and sacred as the Vishwanath temple itself. One has to take bath in the Chakra Pushkarni, there perform oblations to Devas and Pitras and offer charities to Brahmins. Thereby all the ancestors and redeemed and they attain the Akshaya Punya Loka, that is eternal life in heaven, in the divine realms. This is, uh, you know, when you perform these kind of... Uh, these are death ceremonies. These are ceremonies after the death. So that people get mukti. So that they are released from their bondage of birth and death. So they get a particular location for on a permanent basis. So that is what we need to do. Every day one has to go to the Antargriha Yatra and then the Dakshina and Uttara Manasa Yatra. One has to bathe the Jnana Vyapi and worship the Sringara Gauri. On Tuesday and Sunday especially Bhairava is said to be worshipped which will endow great merit. On Ashtami, Navmi and Purnima days Mother Annapurna has to be worshipped. It will endow the good and the auspicious. Vishnu Murti, Dundi Raja, Raju, Bindu Madhava are also to be worshipped during the Shukla Paksha and the Krishna Paksha every day. In the, tirth, in the prescribed way all will have to bathe in the particular Tirtha and worship the particular Lingas doing the Abhishek. One should stay as many days as possible in Kashi in his own name enshrined one Shivlinga there by doing this and offering worship and Abhishek to Lord Vishweshwara. One would get Sakshatkar, the direct vision of the Lord. After giving these instructions to the young lad, the Avduta disappeared. Tvasta realized it was none else but the Guru of Gurus, the Adi Guru, Lord Vishweshwara. Lord Vishweshwara is also Dattatre by the way. Okay. Himself who had come in the form of Avdut to help him. Tvastha devotedly followed all the instructions of the Avdut and took darshan of all the shrines and performed all the vidis. Lord Vishweshwara was very much pleased 
with the devotion of the boy, he appeared before him and asked him to seek a boon. The brahmachari paid and that he may be blessed to fill all the tasks set by his guru and the guru's family members and that thereby be able to please them all. The Lord blessed him and granted him all the boons and asked him to return to the guru's place. Twasta was able to fulfill all the tasks set for him. With Lord Vishweshwara's grace and blessing, the Guru, his wife and children were pleased with the boy beyond the measures. The Guru imparted to Twasta all scriptural knowledge and spiritual wisdom. And Twasta became perfect in knowledge and all enlightened beings. He became Vishwakarma, master of all the arts and skills and came to be known as Twasta Brahma. Here ends the Guru Bhakti Mahima as related by Lord Shiva to Parvati. Sayam Dev thanked Guru Nath for enlightening him on the Guru Bhakti Mahima and started extolling him again. O Guru Nath, you are Lord Dattatreya, the Trinity, Brahma, Vishnu and Maheshwara, unified in one. You are the originator of the Vedas. Whenever dharma starts declining, you incarnate in the world to destroy the wicked and to protect the good, to resuscitate dharma and to re-establish it again on earth. You are the ordainer of the Varnashram dharma for the upkeep of harmony, order and happiness in the human society and the world. You are the giver of all the auspiciousness and you are the ocean of mercy. You are always seated under the Audamba tree, ever ready to receive your devotees and to offer them your divine and loving protection at all times. You are Bhakti Vatsal Lord. You are the tree. I am the creeper nestling around you. You are the Kalpa Vriksha come on earth. Your mere darshan is enough to destroy the accumulated store of sins of all your former lives. You are the fulfiller of the four Purusharthas of life. Please permit me to stay at your lotus feet and bless me that I shall never be separated from you. Sri Narasimha Saraswati told Sayamdev that he could bring his family and stay at Gangapur. Sayamdev had four sons. The eldest was Nagnath who became the most ardent devotee of Gurunath. He became very dear to Gurunath and was loved by him very much. One day Gurunath asked Sayamdev to perform the Ananta Padmanabh Vrata as it happened to be the Ananta Padmanabh Chaturdashi day. Sayamdev said the Gurunath himself was his Lord Ananta that he would worship Gurunath. Gurunath said that Ananta Padmanavrata had very great significance and that by performing it, Kandanya had earned great merit and attained an eternal abode in the starry heavens. Sayamdev requested Gurunath to tell him how Kandanya happened to perform the Vrata. Thus ends the 42nd chapter of Sri Guru Charitra describing the Kashi Yatra. Glory to the all-merciful, the omnipresent and the ever-responsive Gurunath. We can finish that or what? I think we should be able to do it. But it's a long one. We'll do that. Huh? Okay. We'll do chapter 43, Ananta Padmanav Vrata Mahima. This chapter describes Ananta Padmanav Vrata Mahima and the story of Count Nair Rashi, who, through the grace of Lord Ananta, earned an eternal abode in the realm of the stars of the heavens skies. That is, Guru Nata Sayamdev, that he should also perform the Ananta Padmanav Vrata, especially because he too belonged to the Count Nyas. Yasa Grotra. Namadharak was extreme, highly excited with joy and enthusiasm listening to the high close association of the ancestors. Shyam Devavid Gurunath. He was all eager to know more and more details of their association. He pressed Siddhamuni to continue the narration. Sinarsima Saraswati's narration to Shyam Dev regarding Ananta Padmanavrata was recounted in this chapter by Siddhamuni. Yudhishthir was one of those who performed this Vrata as advised by Lord Krishna. This is how it happened. The evil Duryodhan induced Yudhishthir to play the game of dice and in that, through deceit and foul play, he defeated Yudhishthir. 
the bet in the game was that whoever lost the game was to give in, go into exile for 12 years and in the 13th year they should live incognito in case they were found in the 13th year the cycle of ex- exile would start all over again because of the defeat in the game the pandava prince had to forsake their th- throne and had to go in exile along with their queen draupadi they were put to many hardships the evil duryodhana was not letting them live in peace even in the forest yudhishthir's adherence to dharma and his pledge to honor the commitments of the bet made him bear it all although he and his brothers could crush duryodhan with their with his people in physical combat they were restraining themselves so as not to bring a blemish in their vows of dharma and adherence to truth while the pandavas were in great despair as to how they could get over the difficulties without violating in the least even a single rule of dharma and vow of truth on their part they saw to their great delight that lord krishna had come to visit them the pandavas ran forward and fell at the lord's feet they worshiped him with great devotion yudhishthir then told the lord that the thought of krishna and constant remembrance of him alone was their sustenance and the sole strength in being able to withstand all the ordeals that they were passing through He however prayed that the lord should advise them as to how they will be able to pass through the exile safely and would be able to recover their kingdom which they had deceitfully deprived by their cousins Lord Krishna then told them that they should do Ananta Padmanavrat which would earn them great merit and would be a great protection to them always and would certainly help them to pass through all the ordeals unscathed triumph over the Kauravas eventually and win back the kingdom Anand Padmanav the lotus navel lord of eternity was indeed lord krishna himself this vrata was to be done on the chaturdashi day of shukla paksha during the bhadrapad mahim month lord krishna further said that this vrata was done in olden times by kaunanyar at the instance insistence instance of his wife sushila and the lord ananta himself and he therefore explained how kaunanya started performing the vrata sushila was the daughter of the brahmin by the name sumanta Sushila's mother was Diksha, the daughter of Bhrigurishi. Diksha passed away when Sushila was still a child. Sushila, through a child, used to manage the household very well, also while attending upon the father. Sumanta married again. His second wife's name was Karkashi. She was a very hot-tempered person and was always quarrelling with her husband. She was not disposed kindly towards Sushila either. Sumanta was anxious and desirous of getting his daughter married off soon. One day, Kaundanya happened to come to their house. Sumanta offered his daughter in marriage to Kaundanya, to which the latter consented. Sushila's marriage was thus performed with Kaundanya. Kaundanya stayed for some days in Sumanta's house along <coughs> after the marriage. Finally, on the auspicious day, Kaundanya along with his bride set out on their journey back home. All that Sumanta could give his daughter was a little quantity of millet flour packed in a piece of cloth. At the time of her departure, and even that too, against much against the will of the wife, by midday they reached a river. They took the break there so that Kaundanya could perform his midday oblations. Sushila was very much charmed by the sylvan surroundings and was en- enchanted by the beauty of the forest and the river. While she was looking around, drinking in the beauty of the mother nature, she was at a little. distance from the group of the women engaged in some religious ceremony she went there to inquire to she went to them and inquired about the ceremony which they were performing with such great devotion the women told her that they were doing ananta padmanabh chaturdashi vrata 
which earns great merit to the performer. They said that the fruits of the vrata were also anant, and that their vrata ful- fulfilled all human desires and ferries the person safely across the tribulations of life. They told her that she could join the vrata along with them. Sushila was to she, she to perform the vrata most meticulously and devotedly, observing all the instructions and laid down in the vrata as told her by the women. She used the millet flour given to her by her father for the vrata and offered it to the Brahmin priest who conducted the puja. After the puja was over, wearing the red 14-knotted sacramental thread and taking leave of the women, she came back to join her husband. They then resumed their journey. They reached a town called Amravati. At the very outskirts of the town itself, the townspeople greeted and welcomed them. In one voice they said, You are the most learned and the holy person. You are the great Tapasvi. As we can see the yogic splendor and radiance on your face. You must stay in our town. We will not let you leave from here. They led Kaundanya and the wife to a spacious house in the town and made them stay there. Kaundanya was honored and respected very much by the town people. He became very prosperous. His house was ever a plenty with wealth, paddy, cattle, etc. One day Kaundanya happened to see the red sacramental thread on the wrist of his wife and asked her what it was. He thought it was a charm she was wearing to entice and enslave him. She told him that it was a sacramental thread of the Anantrata and that she performed regularly. It was all due to Lord Anantrata's grace, only that we are so prosperous, she said. Kaundanya became furious. It's all nonsense what you say. All this wealth and prosperity is a result of my greatness alone. Saying thus, he tore the thread from the wrist and flung it into the fire without listening at all to the pleadings of the wife. No sooner did the pe- did he do this, the misfortune befell Kaundanya. All the people came away from him. What? Hmm. He lost his wealth. His house caught fire. He became penniless and shelterless. He realized that all the catastrophic turns of event in the life was due to nothing else but the blasphemy and sin he had committed against Lord Ananta. He was in great remorse. He started crying out for Ananta to forgive him. He vowed he would not touch food unless Ananta forgave him and blessed him with his darshan. He set out frantically searching for Ananta everywhere, crying, O Ananta, O Ananta. He went on roaming from place to place. I will end my life if you do not give me your darshan, he was wailing. As he was wandering thus, he came across a tree richly laden with fruits. But there was not a bird to be seen on the tree even though the tree was overladen with luscious looking fruits. So crying, O Ananta, O Ananta, he went on roaming from place to place. I will end my life if you will not give me your darshan. He was wailing. As he was wandering thus, he came across a tree richly laden with fruits. But there was not a bird to be seen on the tree even though the tree was overladen with luscious looking fruits. Kaundanya plaintively asked the tree whether she had seen Ananta and whether she could tell him where to find him. The tree answered in the negative. After proceeding further in the search, he came across a cow and a calf. The cow was not able to graze due to the blistered tongue. Kaundanya asked the cow whether she had seen Ananta and whether she could tell where he could find him. The cow nodded in a negative reply. Kaundanya went searching further and he came across a bullock. He put to the bullock also the same question which he asked the tree and the cow earlier. The bullock also nodded a negative reply. Kaundanya then came across two adjoining lakes full of lotus flowers. He put to the lake to his question whether they had seen Anand and the reply was again in the negative. Thereafter he came across an ass and an elephant. 
There was no affirmative response from them either. Kondanya was in great desperation. He was terribly exhausted and fell down. His life breath seemed to be ebbing out. He was still frantically crying in a choking voice. His heart bursting out with great anguish for Lord Ananta's darshan. At that critical moment, one old man appeared. Lord Ananta himself in an assumed form. The old man asked him what his anguish was all about. Kondanya cried out, requesting also whether he could take him and get to him Lord Ananta's darshan. The old man asked Kondanya to accompany him, giving him a helping hand to walk along. There appeared a gorgeous and a splendorous city. As they entered it, they saw a golden throne studded with diamonds and Lord Ananta seated in it. Oh, the vision dazzled him. His heart leapt up in joy, inexpressible. He fell prostrate at Lord Ananta's feet. He sang praises in adoration to the Lord. He said, O Ananta, O Lord, resting on the serpent couch, my life has found its fulfillment today. Forgive all my sins and lapses. You have graced me with your glorious vision. O the creator of this Brahman, O Ananta, of this infinite ocean of mercy, please never forsake me. Ananta was pleased with Kaundanya's outpouring on adulation. Kaundanya asked the Lord that he was intrigued about the tree laden with fruits, but without a bird around, about the cow that was unable to graze and also about the other things he had sighted on the way. The Lord said to Kaundanya thus, The tree laden with the fruits but without a single bird around was a very learned Brahmin in his previous life who always wanted to keep the knowledge to himself and never taught anyone. What does it mean? You have to spread the knowledge. A lamp should light up other lamps. A person of knowledge will have to impart the knowledge to others. Then only the knowledge finds its fulfillment. As this Brahmin was miserly with his knowledge in the former life, he was born in this life as a tree. <clears throat> you see the tree is burdened with fruits, but not a bird coming near it. As to the cow in his former life, it was human being. The man gave a piece of land in gift to a Brahmin, but that piece of land was barren and uncultivable. That is why in this life the cow was unable to graze and satiate its hunger, nor that of its calf. So never give gifts which are of no use to other people. As to the bull in his previous birth, it was rich Brahmin. Though rich, he never gave even a pie in charity to the poor and the needy. The bull also couldn't tell him, remember? So, Again, charity is to be given. As to the lakes, they were in their previous life sisters. When it came about that they had to do some dan, charity in a religious ceremony, they did it but with each sister gave the charity to the other sister only instead of some other poor and the merited person. That means charity doesn't begin at home, no? <laughs> you have to give it to others. So you have to see that it is not given to your own people. See, charity begins at home is an English phrase. <laughs> in our religion, we consider it to be given to others, those who are really needy, those who deserve it. Right? As to the ass and the elephant, they were own anger and your passion. So they are he is telling Countenya Rishi that that is your anger and that is your passion. The old Brahmin who brought you to my presence is none else but I, myself. I was moved to pity by your desperation. I blessed you. You have all the wealth and prosperity. Your name and fame will forever remain. You should be. You should do this vrata for 14 years on every Bhadrapad Shuddha Chaturdashi day. After this, life for you, I will provide an eternal abode in the Nakshatra Mandala, that is, in the starry skies. Kondanya then returned and joined his wife. They enjoyed all prosperity and were forever happy. Lord Krishna further said to Yudhishthir, Agatya Rishi performed this vrata and earned an eternal name and frame. 
kings like sagara dilipa bharata harishchandra janaka etc all of them used to perform this vrata yudhishthir performed this vrat and as a result was able to win victory in the kurukshetra war and regain his kingdom you also do this and with all your woes will end forever gurunath das explained to sayamdev the ananta padmana vrata mahima and also about the detailed mode of the vrata how it is to be performed etc he told him that being in the lineage of kaundanya that he belong to the kaundanya gotra must necessarily perform this vrata sayamdev performed the vrata as instructed by gurunath sayamdev thereafter remained with gurunath serving him with the greatest devotion and dedication namdarak was stilled with joy and elation listening to the account given by siddhamuni regarding his blessed ancestors sayamdev and also that he belonged to the lineage of the great kaundanya rishi Thus ends the forty-third chapter of Sri Guru Charitra, describing the Ananta Padmanavrata Mahima. Glory to the All Merciful, the Omnipresent, and the Ever Responsive Guru Nanak. So we shall end over here today. We have already done too many chapters, and if you have any questions, you can ask me.